0: it's Ronnie Davis and you're listening to Being More, the place to be if you want to learn how to stop eating in ways that make you feel like crap. If you want to end the weight and food war and start reimagining healthy eating and living, we'll show you how to change your mind, your food world and your life with less doing and more being. I recently contributed another piece to Tiny Buddha called How to Protect Our Kids from a Lifetime of Weight, Food, and Body Image Issues. I will leave a link to the entire piece in the description if you're interested in reading it. But in the piece, I shared some of my story to highlight how these issues typically develop in people because my story is not unique. I also shared some do's and don'ts for parents to help prevent their kids from growing up with the same issues that our generation has. And I wanted to share some of that piece with you today because I want to address some comments from one in, one email in particular that I received about it, because it was a perfect example, the email was, that is, was a perfect example of how distorted our thinking has become around this whole healthy eating and living thing. Um, and, you know, by, by addressing that, I think it's, um, you know, I hope to address some common misconceptions about my work now and, and you know, work like mine, um, in particular, you know, the anti-diet weight neutral approach. And so um, I want to start here with what I wish parents understood. Living with disordered eating patterns or an eating disorder is a special kind of hell that I would not wish on anyone. It's like living with the meanest, most self-destructive monster in your head that one can imagine, You know all the things that you're thinking and the choices that you're making are harming you. You know those things are making you miserable. You're desperate to stop. And yet no matter how hard you try, you can't. You feel powerless, hopeless, helpless, trapped. Recovery was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life and I've not had an easy life. So that says a lot. Given this, in my view, in addition to helping people that are currently struggling to recover, prevention at an early age needs to be top priority. And parents, I'm not trying to place blame, but after over a decade of hearing women talk about their struggles, I've come to realize that we as parents are often a very, very big part of the cause, although not purposefully, of course. We all have our kids' best interests in mind, we want our kids to be the healthiest, most confident versions of themselves, and we're doing the best that we can to help them get there. We want to help them maintain healthy bodies and eat foods that, that, you know, best support their bodies and their lives. Nobody doubts that we all want the best for our children, and we're doing our best for them. But the way that we're approaching it is almost guaranteeing that our kids are going to struggle with the same food issues, eating disorders our lifetime of disordered eating and failed diet attempts that so many in our generation have they are learning to fight the same wars that we have in the exact same ways that we learned to fight them all of the things that we typically do to try to help encourage healthy behaviors or healthy eating right restricting the bad foods teaching that the, teaching them that Them that some are good and some are bad, some are healthy, some are unhealthy, encouraging them to lose weight or even acknowledging their weight. These are among the worst things that we can do for the health of our children. It's difficult to overstate the damage that weight and food shame does to adults, and that damage is so much worse in children. We also have to remember that they learn from us. If your kids watch you struggle with food and your weight, if they see you tie your mood and your self-worth to your scale, they're going to be at a significantly higher risk for developing an eating disorder or living with those same struggles themselves. So this is what I wish parents everywhere knew, encouraging weight loss, labeling or restricting food intake, good versus bad, healthy versus unhealthy, et cetera. Discussing weight, restricting food, and dieting yourself, all of those things that millions of us are doing every single day because diet and healthy eating cultures have taught us that that's the norm, all of those things are putting our children at risk. Research has shown that the younger girls are when they go on their first diet, the more likely they are to engage in extreme weight control behaviors like vomiting, or using laxatives, the more likely they are to abuse drugs and alcohol and become overweight by the time they reach their 30s. One out of every four dieters will develop some type of eating disorder. That is a number that has doubled in the last 20 years. And the majority of the rest develop very disordered eating patterns. As many as 75% of women report disordered thoughts or habits around food. Eating disorders are widely recognized to have the highest mortality rate of all mental illness while also being among the most underdiagnosed and under and poorly treated. And that's not even to mention the levels of anxiety, depression, and self-loathing that typically come from years of living with disordered eating and battling with our weight. There is a better way to encourage healthy choices without the risk. So let me outline some don'ts. Some things to not do if you don't want to put your kids at risk. Don't discuss weight, size, or bodies. Not yours, not theirs, not anybody else's. Don't let other people discuss their weight in front of them. Not their doctor, not relatives, and nobody. Don't label food. No good, bad, healthy, unhealthy. No food labels. Binary labels cause shame, create self-punishing behaviors, destroy our relationship with food, and they contribute to or full-on cause overeating, binge eating, and restrict cycles that can take years to heal. Don't tell them that they are what they eat. Our food choices do not determine their worth. Don't restrict food. Let them eat what they want. Restriction leads to guilt, shame, overeating, or binge eating and fuels disconnection. Don't force exercise or burning off calories Encouraging exercise as a means of weight loss or body control is setting them up for trouble. Let's get into some do's. Do encourage them to consider how their food choices make their body feel. How does that Big Mac and fries make their body feel when they're done eating? What about the candy for breakfast? Do they feel good when they're done eating that or do they feel sick? Would they rather feel good or feel sick? How does skipping a meal make their body feel? Do they want to feel that way? Do they really want to ignore their body's most basic human needs with restriction? Why? Do encourage them to consider why they're eating. Are they physically hungry? Are they emotionally hungry? Teach them the difference and help them learn to accept, honor, and express the emotions that they're trying to feed or soothe rather than ignore or numb them. Teach them the value of understanding the why behind the choices they're making, with food and otherwise. And teach them how their choices are often a result of the relationship that they have with themselves. Teach them that the relationships they have with themselves, with food and their bodies, are the most important relationships they'll ever have and to protect and nurture them. Lift them up. Teach them to value themselves exactly as they are. For who they are, not what they look like, way, or how they eat. Teach them to value and respect others no matter what size they are. Teach them about self compassion, acceptance, kindness, authenticity, and the power of presence and mindful living. Teach them to appreciate the wonder and the magic of their bodies no matter what size they are. Teach them how to stay in the present moment and in their bodies so they learn to listen and trust their bodies. Teach them that humans come in all shapes and sizes and that none is not, no one is better than any other. Teach them that they are enough exactly as they are and that neither their bodies nor their food choices define their worth. Now that was just some of the piece, as you can see, and as you've probably noticed in all of my work, if you've been around here for any length of time, I advocate for and believe strongly in empowering individuals to learn to trust themselves and their own bodies enough to make their own choices. Because without self and body trust, there can be no healthy eating or living, definitely no happiness or peace either. Healthy eating or living does not exist without self and body trust. There can be no self and body trust as long as there's fear, fighting, and attempts to control. Everything you've been taught it takes to eat healthy, everything that promotes fear, willpower, control, and discipline to force yourself to make the, quote, right choices, none of that is healthy. None of that promotes mental, emotional, or even physical well-being because it keeps us trapped in fear and shame. Fear and shame force us into disconnection from ourselves and our bodies. They force us into disembodiment. If we are disconnected from ourselves and our bodies, we are unable to hear the communication that we're getting from our bodies. We're unable to determine what we're feeling or what we actually need based on that. And if we're unable to determine what we actually need and then give ourselves that, No matter how many seemingly healthy behaviors we appear to be gauging in, we are not truly living healthily because we're not necessarily giving ourselves what we actually need. We're just going through the motions of doing what others have told us we should be doing. Now, to address the email criticism in particular, because again, as I said, it was such a perfect example of how... distorted our thinking has become on on what it takes to live healthily and if you remember from last week's episode i talked about the fact that anytime you go against the status quo and instead promote this idea of self and body trust you get accused of promoting unhealthy lifestyles or choices and that's basically what happened with this with this email um She said, I think you have very valid points. However, weight and food choice does matter. And this is a slippery slope of if this viewpoint does not take that into account, this can lead to continued and increased obesity. I understand your point, but I believe this approach, which I've heard before, misses the mark on healthiness and enables some. So um, let's unpack and debunk this one part at a time. So she says weight and food choice does matter and this is a slippery slope if that does if this if you don't take that into account. And to that I would say first no actually contrary to what we are constantly told by the health and weight loss industry weight doesn't matter. At least it shouldn't for many reasons, but here are two main ones. First of all, I've been in this field in every conceivable capacity, including having sold weight loss for, well, I've been in the field for a dozen years. I sold weight loss for eight. I've never, ever found even one single study that proved a direct causal uh, relationship, causal link between increased body size and increased risk of early, uh, increased risk of disease or early death. Yes, there are correlations between body size and disease, but correlation does not equal causation. Just because two things are seen together does not mean that one thing is caused by the other. For example, there are also major correlations between living with weight stigma, both internalized and otherwise, and an an increased risk of disease or early death. And reduced access to quality health care is also related to increased risk of disease or early death. And at least in part because of weight stigma, people in larger bodies are perpetually subjected to subpar health care. So does that mean that weight stigma is actually the cause of of it, of increased um, disease or early death? Well, not necessarily, because again, correlation does not equal causation. The point is... Nobody really knows for sure. And anybody who claims that increased body size actually causes disease or early death either has an agenda to sell and is playing it fast and loose with the truth, or they are painfully uninformed. Now, second, let's pretend for a minute here that increased body size does cause disease or early death um and more so than 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 smaller bodies just for argument's sake let's pretend it does it doesn't it's, it, it hasn't been proven to but in it let's just for argument's sake pretend that it does let's pretend that, that it's true everything we've learned trying to control body size still shouldn't be the focus of healthcare because for about 98% of the possible. Uh, population, it is impossible to do it in any way that actually lasts. And this is also going to address the other thing she said about not focusing on body size being, you know, a supposed slippery slope and leading to increased obesity. No, actually, it doesn't. The opposite is true. I'm just ignoring her use of the incredibly problematic and stigmatizing word obesity, uh, because that's a subject for another day. But hear me when I tell you, Dieting and weight loss is what actually leads to weight gain and increased body size. It is dieting and weight loss are the biggest predictors of future weight gain that there is. Attempts to shrink and control our bodies is what's actually causing long-term weight gain. I sold weight loss for eight years and I quit despite the fact that it was my sole source of income at the time when I learned this uncomfortable truth. Our cultural obsession with weight loss, our attempts to control our weight is what's making our population bigger. Your obsession to lose weight is more likely to make you gain weight over time than to ever actually result in any sustained weight loss. Weight loss is not an evidence-based health intervention. It's only taken over in our culture to the extent that it has because it is unbelievably profitable and easy to sell. Trying to control body size has been shown over and over and over again for decades to be more likely to result in weight gain over time than to ever result in sustained weight loss. And at the very least, it leads to a lifetime of weight cycling, which is also linked to poor health. So even if it were true that weight gain automatically made people unhealthy, weight loss attempts, attempts to control body size, still wouldn't be the solution. In fact, they'd be making that problem worse because losing weight is one of the biggest contributing factors to long-term weight gain that there is. Study after study for decades have shown over and over again that people who diet or attempt to control their weight are worse off than people who don't. There's this bullshit misconception in our world uh, that the whole supposed weight problem can just be solved if everybody gets motivated enough to take care of themselves and go on a diet and control their weight. As though more than half of our population haven't spent their entire lives trying to do that already, right? I've never met a single adult human who didn't make at least a dozen attempts to lose weight if and when they put a few pounds on. It doesn't work. Our culture has been obsessed with weight loss and shrinking bodies for literally generations. It is not working and it is an enormous part of what's actually actually causing the supposed epidemic. The weight loss industry is literally creating the supposed problem they claim to solve. Now on to the food choices comment in terms of food choices mattering. I've never ever said that food choices don't matter. What I've said over and over again is that the problem lies in the binary labels of food, the good versus bad, healthy versus unhealthy, in labeling the food and then trying to force ourselves to make the, quote, good choices Based on what everybody else is telling us is supposedly healthy or not. Over trusting the messages from our own bodies about not only what we need, but what actually helps us feel our best. Binary food labels are not only not based in reality, but they cause shame. They create self punishing behaviors. They destroy our relationships with food and ourselves, and they contribute to and full on cause. Overeating, binging, and restrict cycles that can take years to heal. I want to give you an example of this um, from my own life. When I was ba- back when I was competing uh, years ago, we, I, every month I would get my balanced meal plan from my coach. You know, it's not a diet; it's a healthy meal plan thing. I'd get I'd get one of a new one from my coach every month, and almost every single meal plan had a ton of asparagus with almost every single meal because asparagus is supposedly one of these, you know, amazing superfoods and a diuretic and all of this other stuff. And so with every single meal practically, I, or almost every meal, I'm, you know, supposedly I'm supposed to be eating asparagus because it's healthy. I hate asparagus. I hate it. I hate it. Like it makes me throw up in my mouth just Thinking about asparagus, like visceral reactions from my body at the thought of even looking at a piece of asparagus is really bad. And here I was trying to force myself to eat this stupid vegetable every every month because this is what this is what they're telling me is the healthy food. This is what I'm supposed to be eating. And so this is what I'm trying to force myself to eat. and I'm over here, you know, the rest of the time, trying to force myself to not eat, um, you know, some a chocolate bar or something that i that I love. And after a while, I started realizing that's not healthy. like it's <laughs> the, the the emotional damage, the mental and emotional damage that is caused by trying to make ourselves eat the thing that we think we should eat. Like, I would feel like garbage trying to make myself eat this asparagus. Uh, if If I would let myself have a chocolate bar, I'd feel great. I'd have a chocolate bar, move on with my day, feel amazing. But trying to force myself to eat this asparagus made me feel like crap. It was horrible. It was a horrible experience in my day. And physically, I would feel like, physically and emotionally, I'd feel like absolute garbage. Whereas if I just let myself eat the chocolate bar instead, or not instead, but, you know, maybe whatever, eating a chocolate bar and moving on with my day, I feel great. It doesn't affect me one little bit. If I try to force myself to not eat the chocolate bar, what would happen? Especially if I was trying to force myself to not eat the chocolate bar and eat the asparagus instead, or eat something else instead that I thought I was supposed to, I'd think about the chocolate bar the whole damn day. I'd not only think about the chocolate bar the whole damn day and be consumed all day with thoughts of it, but I'd feel deprived. I'd feel anxious over how hard I was trying to not eat the chocolate bar. I'd feel miserable over the fact that I'm trying to eat this vegetable that I hate instead of eating the chocolate bar. And eventually, because I couldn't willpower my way through not eating the bar forever, eventually I'd cave and eat the chocolate bar anyway And because I had been restricting it for so long, I'd end up binging on more things that I wasn't supposed to have the whole rest of the day or perhaps even the week. So this is an example of what happens when we place these binary labels, thinking that this thing is good because this person says so, and this this is the bad thing that I shouldn't be eating because everybody says it's bad. This is what happens. It destroys our mental and emotional health, and it ends up causing us to eat more of the things that everybody says that we shouldn't be eating or that actually don't make us feel good. One chocolate bar, I can have a chocolate bar once or twice a week and feel fine. If I eat 12 chocolate bars and chase it with a gallon of ice cream and a bag of potato chips, I'm not gonna feel so great. And that's what happens when I try to avoid the chocolate bar and eat the vegetable that, that, you know, somebody else told me I'm supposed to instead. That's my point. That's what happens when we do these binary labels versus just trusting what our bodies want, right? We're gonna, I'm gonna talk more, a little bit more about that in a minute. But so yes, though, you know, of course, some different foods, you know, different foods impact your body differently than others. Some will help you feel better than others. And the quantity in which we eat foods has an impact on how we feel as well, right? Like I can have one chocolate bar and it doesn't impact me too much, but if I have 10 of them, then I'm gonna feel like crap. The truth is, our bodies tell us, you know almost immediately when you've eaten something that doesn't make you feel good, right? You know almost immediately when you've eaten something that doesn't make you feel good. Or if you've eaten too much of something in a way that doesn't make you feel good, your body has the ability to communicate those things with you. It will tell you. My body was telling me, nope, we do not like asparagus. (laughs) and i'm trying i'm ignoring it because everybody's saying that's what i'm supposed to be eating right and the other reality is our health is impacted by way more than just our bodies than than our physical bodies our mo- our mental and emotional states also play a huge role in how we feel and trying to conforce trying to force ourselves to control our bodies actively destroys our mental and emotional health. Trying to force ourselves to control our food intake actively destroys our mental and emotional health and eventually destroys our physical health as well. I have never met a single adult human who didn't have some idea of what they thought they should or shouldn't be eating based on what other people have told them is supposedly healthy. Knowing what we should or shouldn't eat and trying to control ourselves to eat those things is not Working, our entire culture has been programmed to approach healthy eating in this way. Eat this, not that, because somebody else told you to. If you're trying to force yourself to eat what you think you're supposed to eat to be healthy, you are making choices from fear. If you are trying to force yourself to eat what you think you're supposed to be eating to be skinny, you are again making choices from fear. And that's what we've been taught healthy eating is. And it is so unhealthy. We've been taught that it's supposed to be hard, that it requires the willpower, dedication, discipline to make ourselves eat the quote right things, to control our intake so that we don't be unhealthy, we don't get unhealthy or, or get fat. It is all fear and distrust and none of it is healthy. In truth, living with fear and shame over what you eat does far more damage to your physical mental and emotional health than eating a few cookies ever could. And again, it is not working for most people. The reason it's so hard is because it so completely disconnects us from ourselves and our own bodies. It forces us into that adversarial relationship with food, ourselves, and our bodies. The thing about fear, especially living with this fear of food that we've been so conditioned to believe is the healthy way to approach it, is that it keeps us disconnected from our bodies. When we're stuck in that fear response, we are completely disconnected from our body and the decision-making part of our brains is basically shut off while that fear response runs on autopilot, desperately searching for solutions to keep us safe from the supposedly scary thing. So all of those obsessive food thoughts that drive supposedly unhealthy choices That is a cycle of fear-based conditioning that you are stuck in, in large part because of traditional healthy eating messages that teach you you have to control through distrust, disconnection, and fear. All those food thoughts and the behaviors that result are autopilot patterns driven by the habit center of our brains completely subconsciously. You cannot hear your body when it's trying to tell you what it wants or needs, Because you're stuck in this fear response in your head, completely mindless and completely disconnected, not only from that decision-making part of your brain, but completely disconnected from your body and even actively trying to ignore it in order to make yourself follow the rules and control your intake. Anyone that's ever tried to eat healthy knows exactly what I'm talking about when I talk about that internal battle that happens when it's time to eat. What should I eat versus what I think I want to eat? Can you relate to that battle, right? I should eat an apple, but what I really want is the chocolate bar. That's coming entirely from fear. First, fear says should. I should eat a salad. That's not being connected to body. And then fear says, but I really want a chocolate bar. That's almost also certainly rooted in fear. Should-based food choices are rooted entirely in fear, And that internal back and forth, it's rooted in fear. There's no present moment awareness, no connection with what your body is actually experiencing in that moment versus what it needs in order to be supported based on that experience. And there's not even rational thought, just the brain's habit center running its should versus want program. Promoting healthy living and eating through learning to reconnect to trust ourselves and our own bodies, it's not enabling anybody to eat poorly, it's enabling them, it's empowering them to break the conditioning that isn't serving them so that they can heal their relationships with themselves, their bodies, and food, and actually learn to just eat and live in whatever way helps them live and feel their best all the time which ends the need to control, and it ends the internal war, the traditional healthy eating and living causes. It's about changing the way we think about what it means to eat healthy. It's about changing the way we're approaching healthy eating. When I stop trying to force myself to eat what I thought I was supposed to eat and not eat what I thought I was not supposed to eat, and I started actually connecting with my body and what it was telling me it actually wanted and needed, all of a sudden I started wanting more vegetables. Well, not all of a sudden. It took time because reprogramming our brains and changing our patterns actually takes time. So slowly over time, everything started to shift. But it started to shift. And I found a place where I no longer crave things like chocolate or or other quote, bad things. I crave things that help me feel my best. I stopped binging. I stopped making all kinds of decisions for my body that weren't helping me feel my best because I changed the patterns that were driving those behaviors instead of going through life fighting with myself, trying to force myself to control those behaviors, right? The idea that we are too ignorant or weak-willed to, quote, eat healthy with all the control and the rules is the biggest, most destructive lie that we have ever been sold. It is insulting, incredibly damaging, and not even true. Why do you wanna keep trying to control your intake in the first place? Well, because you wanna eat healthy, don't you? You, at your core, want to be eating healthy. You wanna be eating in ways that support your well-being, And you're not stupid. You know what helps you feel your best versus what makes you feel like crap. So the question is, If you know what helps you feel your best, and at your core, you want to eat those things, why don't you do so more consistently? Why do you still so often find yourself eating things that make you feel like crap instead, and believing that the only way to stop is to try harder to control yourself? Because of the fear that I've been talking about, and because of your conditioning, learned thoughts and behaviors that, again, with awareness and practicing the right tools can be changed. So, It's really about learning to eat and live from love and trust and breaking patterns and building awareness and practices that actually support your ability to do so. In my work with ECET, you've probably heard me talk about this before. I teach people how to do this through wholehearted being. Healthy eating and living through wholehearted being helps you to build a foundation rooted firmly in your own self-love trust, and worthiness, because how we feel about ourselves impacts every aspect of our lives, including how we treat ourselves and our bodies. And from there, you learn to make choices for yourself and your body through four main pillars of being, being present in this moment and in your body so that you can break the conditioning that drives unhealthy behaviors, and you can be aware of what's happening in your body. Be connected to your inner world, your thoughts, feelings, the communication with your body about what you actually need in this moment. Being curious about your inner experiences in this moment with gentle awareness, self-compassion, and non-judgment so that you can explore what's happening and why. Being intentional with your thoughts, behaviors, and responses. Intentionally choosing kindness, gratitude, love. This is where truly healthy eating and living thrives. For more on that in particular, tune into last week's podcast episode. If you haven't already, I outlined sort of some of how to apply this wholehearted being approach specifically to food choices. And so all of this begs the question, how do you currently define healthy eating? How do you want to define it? Which sounds healthier, continuing the internal war of futile attempts to control and force yourself to eat what you think you should be eating, or wholehearted being, learning to genuinely listen to, trust, and more importantly, want to honor your own unique ways, your own unique needs rather, in a way that's rooted in love and connection, moment to moment each day. And which sounds healthier for your kids, trying to force them to eat what you think they should eat or encouraging them to lean into the innate wisdom of their bodies, teaching them to genuinely listen to, trust, and more importantly, want to honor their own unique ways or their own unique needs in a way that's rooted in love and connection. That's what I'm advocating for. And that's what I teach people how to do. And it's way easier to help teach your kids those things if you learn them for yourselves first. been listening to being more with ronnie davis thanks for tuning in to learn more about embodied cognitive eating training and access free resources visit www.ecet.online